Bandwidth for Priority One Podcast is brought to you by Playa Escondida. Ever dreamed of visiting Planet Risa? Well, Playa Escondida is the ultimate beach resort excursion. Visit PlayaEscondida.com to book your ultimate vacation getaway. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 166 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded Thursday, March 20th, 2014, live on trekradio.net, and available for download or streaming on Monday mornings at PriorityOne.com. I'm James. I'm Cookie. I'm Jace. And I'm Elijah. Guys, what do we got in store this week? Captains, this week we track out an episode of True Life, I Want to Be an Obscure Pageant Queen, with Adorpheus. Then, we trek out the latest Star Trek online news with a glimpse into Season 9 with our first two dev blogs for the new chapter in Star Trek Online. Later, in our Community Spotlight segment, we interview Fleet Admiral Enzo Aquarius of Reddit Alert. And of course, as always, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. You can continue to support Priority One with real-world donations to help us reach our monthly financial goals. We are all volunteers, and we could use your help with purchasing new equipment, with hosting fees, or with alleviating travel expenses when we cover conventions on location throughout the year. Captains, don't forget that PriorityOnePodcast.com offers more than just podcasts. In his entry to Role Player's Guide to the Galaxy, Varzek introduces us to role-playing in the Federation universe. Check out these blogs and more only on PriorityOnePodcast.com. And lastly, Captains, before we move on with the show, we invite you to keep an eye on our social media platforms like Facebook.com slash PriorityOnePodcast or on Twitter at StowPriorityOne. We're hoping that every Sunday evening around 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, We'll be taking to twitch.tv for live playthroughs on Star Trek Online, hosted by the cast and crew of Priority One Podcast and the Priority One Fleet. Subscribe to our channel at twitch.tv slash Priority One. Well, Captains, let's trek out True Life, I Want to Be an Obscure Pageant Queen, with its featured artist, Adrian Orpheus. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Captains, this week we're joined by Adrian Orpheus. You might remember her as one of our three in-development contributors. Well, on March 15th, Adrian was featured in a recent episode of MTV's True Life. The subject of the episode? I want to be an obscure pageant queen. 
Adrian, thank you for joining us this week on the Priority One Podcast, and thank you for your ongoing contribution to PriorityOnePodcast.com. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. So let's start from the beginning, shall we? How yeah. did you get involved with the producers of the show in the first place? Um, well, I've been going to Dragon Con for, God, uh, I don't know, since 2006. And they have uh, at the uh, Star Trek beauty pageant there called the Miss Star Trek Universe pageant. I Normally I don't enter it just because it always conflicts with something else that I want to do. But uh, this past year, I there was nothing else... That I had scheduled on that day, so I was like, "Oh, I'll enter. I'll enter the contest." Not that long after I signed up, I got this email from one of the pageant coordinators saying that you know MTV had come in contact with them and wanted to do an episode of True Life about um, obscure beauty pageants, and I re- responded to the casting call, and they they chose me. That wow. that's really cool. So so then. What was, you know, the cameras went to your house and, and yeah. uh, they interviewed Kate and Robin. What what was that experience yeah. like, having cameras kind of follow you around for a little bit? How long did they follow you around? Uh, they followed me around from, I think, the beginning of August until the, the con happened, which was the beginning of September. And it was really, really fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I felt really comfortable in front of the cameras and everything. So it was really, really fun. Wow, that's a long time. That's a whole month. And yeah. just camera crews in your house all the time, following you around? Uh, not the entire time. Like, they came they came at the it beginning of the month. It was scheduled? Yeah, it was scheduled. Yeah. They would, they would well, come good. and call me before and then um, schedule a time to, to come up and film with me. Like, they, they, we filmed at the beginning of the month, me working on the costume me, and, and everything and talking to Kate and Robin. They came to I, my birthday party, which was around the 23rd, and um, then in, like, the week leading up to the con. They came in to film some more stuff. Talk, talk to us about the preparation. Tell us more about what what the episode was about. What what were they covering? What were they trying to capture? They were covering just unusual beauty pageants. You know, mine obviously was a Star Trek beauty pageant, and they they covered one other person who did, I think, a zombie beauty pageant. They just wanted to explore this world of alternative beauty pageants. Now you've been cosplaying for a little while, right? Tell us about your your cosplay history. I've been cosplaying since uh, 2004, so yeah, this will be like my this year, like my 10th anniversary of cosplay. I I've been making I don't know I make my own costumes. I I know how to sew, and I I started doing. Although I've loved Star Trek obviously forever, I didn't get into cosplaying the Andorian stuff until I met Kate and Robin at the first Dragon Con that I went to, which was 2006. They did Andorians, and I thought it was really, really cool. Um, and then, I think it was in 2008, they invited me to dress up with them, and then it, the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> That's right. Now, we first met uh, last year, right? It was last year at yeah, the New Jersey Convention New Jersey. Uh, and in Cherry Hill. And I remember I remember inter- interviewing all three of you because the, the, cost, the, the your costumes were amazing. The makeup is just phenomenal. It was really great. I was there, too, and I saw you guys, and my friends were taking pictures of you. I didn't know Elijah or any of these guys yet, but definitely stood out in the crowd. It was awesome. Oh, cool. Thanks. Now, in terms of the filming, or or because you you got very personal in the episode, yeah. What what was that the most difficult part for you? You know, reopening yourself up mm-hmm. to millions of viewers. Yeah, I mean, I I knew I wanted to be as authentic as possible. I di- I didn't want to. I wanted you know people to see the real me. I felt like it would be more endearing to watch if if you know people saw how I really felt about the whole thing. But I, I, there was also, you know, that did also make me a little bit nervous, though, about, you know, being judged and stuff. But 
I felt it was for the best. You have courage that not many of us have, and uh, you know that you presented yourself so well, carried yourself so well, and represented not just yourself but also other cosplayers, other other Trek fans in such a positive light. It was it was a, a real honor to to know you and to know that. Uh, I've had the opportunity of working with you. Oh, thank you. So not only did the episode air on MTV, but it's been it's been getting around the web too, right? So where else have you yeah. spotted yourself? There's been an article about me on Gawker. Uh, I've seen lots of posts on like Twitter and Tumblr and on a British news site called Mirror. I think mirror.co.uk, something like that. So yeah, it's been getting around. Are you excited about all this uh, exposure? Yeah, I, I mean, I really didn't expect it. I, I guess I wasn't sure what to expect, but it has been kind of nice to... You know, see people who have watched it and liked it and were inspired by it and stuff like that. For the audience members that have not had the opportunity of, of watching the episode, um, what what got you into Star Trek? What got you? What what lures you into the genre? Um, I've always well, I've always liked sci-fi and stuff like that, but the depiction of this world where you know prejudice and and things like that are kind of a thing of the past for them for on Earth, anyways. And I just really loved it. That always really spoke to me when I was a kid because um, I grew up as the only minority. So I, I experienced a lot of racism and things like that when I was a kid. So I, I loved watching Star Trek because it was like I could see a world without that. that yeah, I can, I can only imagine. And thank you for sharing that mm -hmm. with us. Um, now, what, where can people see you next? You know, you, you mentioned in the episode, and we know this mm -hmm. of you, that you're a musician as well. Uh, yes. Where can people catch your stuff? Um, uh, well, I have a website, uh, adorpheus.com, and I have a SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash adorpheus. And I am working on an album now. It, it's mostly done, actually, so it should be... I mean, I'm, I'm working with, like, collaborators and stuff like that on some of the songs, so I'm hoping it'll be out soon. And now people can catch you on Twitter as well, right? Yeah. Twitter.com slash adorpheus. Now, where can people catch your Andorian alter ego? I, there is a cosplay section on um, adorpheus.com. What about upcoming cons? I am definitely going to Star Trek New Jersey again. I'll be at Dragon Con again, of course, and I'm going to be at um, the Star Trek convention in Boston in June, definitely. Well, Adrian, thank you so very much for stopping by and, and talking to us more about uh, your experience with uh, True Life. It truly was uh, inspiring, uh, courageous, and, and thank you for sharing not only with other Trek fans and fans of, of your work, uh, but just the greater populace. I mean, really, it's uh, it was fantastic to watch. Oh, yeah, you did you so such much. a good sure. job. Thank you. Really good. Let's truck out what happened in Star Trek Online News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Captains, we have our first dev blog for season nine. Titled A New Accord, Season 9, Dev Blog Number 1, teases players on the upcoming story progression that's due to release in the latter half of April. According to the blog, the upcoming season will continue the story with a new featured episode, a space battle zone, and several fantastic pieces of queued player versus environment content that all ties this story arc together. Now, not only are we seeing content that progresses the story arc, but we're, we're also getting ongoing improvements to the grander game mechanics, including Al Rivera's re-envisioned ground kits. For those of you that may not be too familiar with the Undine, or Species 8472 by their Borg designation, Season 9, Dev Blog Number 2, 
is a role-playing presentation or introduction to players new and old. In a letter to Detan, the Romulan Republic Proconsul, Subcommander Natal, transmits a militia intelligence report reviewing the Undine threat to the Alpha Quadrant. By the way, the Undine are the ones that look like they came right out of the alien movies, or their distant cousins at least. They originate from fluidic space, and that is where they met up with the Borg and put up a pretty good fight against them. They later invaded the Delta Quadrant in pursuit of the Borg, but several of their ships were destroyed by the USS Voyager in 2373. After that, the Undine began the process to infiltrate the Federation and destroy it from within. Fun fact! The Undine are shapeshifters and are capable of taking on forms of species from the Alpha and the Beta Quadrant, so that would make the infiltration a lot easier. Fortunately, Voyager found one of the Undine infiltration training facilities in 2375 and was able to negotiate a truce with the leader of this facility. But then later, the Undine leaders rejected it. Boo. <laughs> you know, when I saw that, I felt kind of bad for the Undine. Why? But the part where they were trying to get after the Borg and then the Voyager destroyed the, some of their ships, I just felt kind of bad for them. It's like they were trying, they were like, they had a mutual goal, but I don't know. I, I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen that Voyager episode. I know. It's, it has for me, too. Maybe that's why I felt... Maybe if I watched it, I wouldn't feel so bad. But anybody killing the Borg, I'm kind of like, yeah, let them do it. Okay. Since then, Undine infiltrators have been found in most of the major species, governments, and militaries across the Alpha and Beta Quadrants. So here are some more fun facts about the Undine. They are immune to Borg assimilation. They are extremely xenophobic. They are telepathic. They have a virtually indestructible immune system, which can also be used to attack. They are obsessed with strength. They're aggressive, and they have no problem destroying lesser life forms. Their biological technology surpasses our current technology and rivals the Borg. But of greatest concern is their planet killer technology. The Undine have bioships that can fire an energy beam with enough intensity to destroy a planet. This raises concerns about the Janolan Dyson Sphere and the gates open between it and the Solene Sphere. This provides access to the Alpha and Beta Quadrants, which the Undine fleet have made use of. A conference will be held to debate actions to take and to determine control of the Janolan Sphere. So the RP article is, uh, it's for players that are new and may not have any idea who the Undine are. Uh, or returning players that have forgotten, or people that may not have watched Voyager. And I think that in Season 9, they're trying to inject some new life into the Undine. I think much deserved. They're, they're yeah. a pretty... They're intended to be an extreme threat. I mean, now I know it... it by the end of Voyager, they were sidelined. We had a truce with them and all that, but they're, I think they're perfect for STO. They are a formidable force, uh, definitely. I mean... If the Borg can't assimilate them and they have better technology than the Borg, then that says something about them, uh, especially that they can infiltrate. I, you know, it's it's a nice. I, I like when they when Christine writes these blogs and uh, adds a little, injects a little bit of RP into it. Uh, you know, it'd be nice maybe if they were to, I don't know, email this to us or something like, Captain, we've just received a uh, a militia report. Blah blah blah. You know, instead of it just posting on the much work that would page. be for them to, Not to really. email it. They know they already send out the they have our email addresses and we've I've received newsletters from Star Trek online. I think that uh, it'd be cool to get it get that in an email. We're in game PM at all. 
Right, right, right. They probably have the technology to do that. But that would kind of, that would improve my immersion. Yeah, I think it's a cool idea. Here's my thought. Star Trek, we've continually, since the original series, seen all these wars and conflicts here and there in the galaxy. And I think at times it distracts us, even as it helps to define the vision of the future in the face of how we handle these challenges, right? But how many centuries and iterations of fighting with other guys in our galaxy that we really, with the, the vision of Star Trek, should be trying to get along with. The Borg introduced somebody you couldn't reason with, right? But the Borg have been defanged by this point. We, we blow them up every day by the hundreds. So this extra-dimensional, otherworldly threat, I think, is, is just the sort of thing we need. I want them to be allies. I don't want them to be enemies. The Undine or the Borg? <laughs> the Undine. They're the only ones that can really go up against the Borg. We need them on our side. It's nice to have a new enemy other than A, the Borg, and B, the uh, Iconians. Right, because we're not going to see the, 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 the way, the direction that the story is being taken in Star Trek Online, we're not going to have direct contact with the Iconians, at least not for a while. Not until they tell these stories, these events leading up to the final end. It's like, a, it's like the, the new Sherlock Holmes episodes, right? There, it's, you get all these bits and pieces, and it's on to like the last 20 minutes of the hour and a half long show that everything starts to wrap together. Uh, so it'll be a while, and, and I'm glad that uh, that the Undine, an already existing enemy that was in the game, is going to have new life injected back into it. Yes. I want to be yes, friends. I agree. <laughs> well, I suspect, based on some hints that have dropped, that you'll at least have the opportunity maybe to fly their ships. We'll see. Mm. In a lockbox, you think? I, I think it's possible. Uh, really? I, th I would say that an Undine lockbox... Maybe not the first one of the new season. Maybe the second one uh, is almost a certainty. These views do not represent the views of Priority One Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Time will tell. So a lot has been trickling down onto Tribble uh, over the last few days, uh, if not week. Now, the first thing we saw was the revamped Earth space dock, which we talked about last week. We were able to actually see a watch an awesome twitch.tv video recording of it uh, somebody's walkthrough of it our space talk looks beautiful uh, I think we've all had the opportunity of seeing it James you too right yes I have and yeah no it's gorgeous um, it was obviously unfinished there were holes actually I fell off of the I'd walk through a doorway and fall off the space station I mean it's 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 very unfinished but what they do have done there is is amazing and I can't wait for that to go live on holiday so we've got a bunch of other things that I've hit including some player versus environment missions uh, Jace, why don't you go ahead and tell us about that? Sure. Without going into too much detail for those who prefer not to experience new content on Tribble before it goes live, I will say already we have two player versus environment queued events available on Tribble and a space battle zone. Both of these sound like pretty interesting events, the queued events, uh, normal elite versions. They're, they have some unique settings in and out of fluidic space. The battle zone is set within the Dyson Sphere, but in a wholly new environment within it, which is also very interesting. Check it out if you're interested. Um, but what I'm going to talk about a little more in depth are some system changes. So the kit revamp is currently available for test. I haven't dived into that too much yet, but the ability to slot in different modules into your kits now exists on there and will be going live in season nine. So you can go in and see a preview of what that system may look like and give feedback on it. I know a lot of people 
sometimes bring up the need for more playtesting of some of this content. We've got the full month before this also goes live in season nine. So this is the time where folks can put their money where their mouth is and do some testing, find some bugs, make some reports to Cryptic before it all hits holodeck. I encourage anybody who is interested to, to check it out on Tribble. Um, what I am going to talk about a little bit more in depth is the change coming to the science ship ability sensor analysis. It's been redesigned uh, to make it more effective. Previously, sensor analysis was an innate ability of science ships and a couple of others like the Tal Shiar adapted battle cruiser, where if you kept a single target locked for long enough, you would get a damage boost against that target. However, in PvP, while you keep a single target for a long time, at times, they can break your targeting through various means, like the antimatter spread is a perfect example, which we've talked about a couple times recently. Now, it's a power you can toggle on, and you can select any friendly or hostile target within 10k, activate the toggle, and you're analyzing that target. So as long as that target stays in range, it stacks once every three seconds up to a total of six times. On enemies, that increases damage against a targeted foe 5% for each stack. On friends, it'll increase how much you can heal their hull or shields on that target by 5% for each stack. So you can sense or analyze your ally ship or an enemy ship to either improve your healing of the ally or your damage to an enemy. That's not a bad medical science healer ability. Very cool. I think it dramatically increases the utility of the power because now you have two uses for it instead of one and it ramps up much more quickly. So it will actually be useful uh, in variety of situations. Now this is a passive ability, correct you said? Well, it per previously was a passive ability. Now you choose a target and toggle it on. So you will actually have a button to press for sensor analysis where previously it just operated on its own. Now was this a captain, I'm trying to read up on it too, was this a captain ability now or is this a... It's an innate ability of science ships and a uh, couple of others. Certain carriers had it, uh, the Tal Shiar adapted battlecruiser also had it. Alright. Now this is causing a bit of a stir on the forums if I understood correctly, right? I know that Tony uh, had mentioned it. He sent us a link and and all that jazz. Is what 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 are people saying about the change? I I don't I don't know from the forums. Uh, all I can say is that there's really no downside to this. It previously it was target dependent, and now that it's target independent, once you toggle it onto that particular target, it builds on that target until you target somebody else and select them with that same ability. Okay. I mean, it sounds good to me. I mean, the, what you're describing sounds like an awesome healer ability. I mean, that's. Again, another step in the direction that, that I've been clamoring for over the last several months is, is better class distinction and, and improved class development. Absolutely. And it gives another reason to bring along a science ship. So now we have uh, the ability to get a boost to healing or damage that is actually something functional and something like the mirror invasion where the science ships have an advantage at closing the rifts, which is pretty much the main thing you're doing in that mission. And I think the science ships have generally been the, the redheaded stepchild of the fleet. Redheads are beautiful. I agree. I love redheads. <laughs> I've never, I don't fly, I don't fly science. And James, I don't think you do either, right? I have in the past. I had a science ship for a while and it got boring. I, I, I'm sorry, there's no other way to say it. It just got boring, so I got rid of it. I mean, technically, I, I have the Vesta, which is 
kind of still assigned ship. I have a feeling that if you were in any other MMO, you still probably wouldn't be the healer. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. I'm a firepower guy for sure. I'm a healer. When you were in the military, did you did you were you medic or no? You weren't medic. I actually no, I actually was an EMT. Yeah, I I mean that wasn't my full time ability. That was. That was actually one of my abilities. I was also a rescue swimmer. I was also a boarding team officer. I was a lot of things. So, um, but it was actually one of my few abilities was to actually be an EMT. Yes. You're a big uh, proponent of the Vesta, which that has the sensor analysis ability. It I believe, does, right? Yeah. Yes. So, gosh, on a Vesta, that's even better. That's already a pretty high damage ship relative to science ships. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. So, and I mean that's what I'm saying. It's I mean, there's, it will come in handy on that ship, but for me, otherwise, it's not much. And I still run that one a lot more tactical than I did science-wise. <laughs> so, Captains, you know there are times when, we, when we'd like to break away from just the normal news announcements from Star Trek Online and talk about the grander scheme of things for our beloved MMO, Star Trek Online. And today I read a column titled, Do MMOs Need More Danger? from Christopher Koch's Player vs. Player column on MMORPG.com. And as the title suggests, Coke ignites a debate between two other MMORPG.com staff members about whether players, at their core, appreciate a level of risk in their MMO adventures. In our case, I'd argue that Star Trek Online offers little to, to no risk for players and their game adventures. At its worst, you're defeated and debuffed but you can easily be remedied with regenerators or components. But you don't ever lose loot, nor will you ever lose your ship or your crew permanently. Now, we've had this discussion before when talking about a ship's crew complement and how ineffective they are in the grand scheme of things. But there are a few great points in the column that I'd like to try to apply to our beloved MMO Star Trek Online. First, let's make one thing clear. As the columnist writes, the danger of loss and losing everything are two very different things. So what does that mean? Well, there's a difference between going into a PvP match and, if defeated, having all of your equipment taken from you by the victor, versus going into a match, being defeated, and suffering a 24-hour debuff, or broken equipment that will require investment to repair. Now, this doesn't have to apply solely to PvP. Losing your loot in a PvE experience would be terrible. But what if, instead of the current debuff system, your awesome new reputation deflector would be destroyed? Or you needed to invest some EC to repair it? Or you had to rerun the reputation project to get a new one? Now, alright, maybe not at its full cost, but at a discount perhaps. Now what about exploration? Exploration has been a very big topic of contention for Star Trek Online. Players want it, but Cryptic seems to struggle on how best to capture the essence of Trek explorations. Well, in its present state, again, there is absolutely no risk. And as the column describes, exploring becomes a tour of the scenery. Tying in achievements only makes it a checklist. Without the danger of meaningful death, how much can a war-torn game world even mean? Exploration needs to mean something for a starship captain. What if I did lose a bridge officer on an away mission? Or they're so significantly wounded that they're debuffed for a period of time? 
What if your away team dies and you can't revive them in the middle of a mission? Remember that massive battle in EVE last year? The massive PvP battle that made MMO internet world history? The one that pulled 3,000 players and resulted in an estimated loss of $24,921 worth of in-game items? Although I would never enjoy playing a game where my monetary investments could be taken from me, because let's face it, we all play that game already, it's called life, there's a part of me that gets a, a little wide-eyed at the thought of, of that risk. You know, like, how awesome would it have been to be a part of that battle? And, and feeling the urgency to win, because you don't want to lose your monetary investment. So, Captains, here's our community question for the week. What risks are you willing to accept in Star Trek Online? What risks did a Starship captain face on the shows, in the movies, in the literature? Let us know in the comments section for this episode or in the episode's post on the official Star Trek Online forums. So what, do you, what risks are you guys willing to face? My, my take on this is it, it sort of cuts to the heart of the PvP versus PvE divide where there's sometimes a conflict between players who dramatically prefer, prefer just PvE content versus folks who really want PvP to be supported in-game, like Star Citizen or EVE, which are more open world and a little more sandboxy and have a lot of player versus player content. Uh, one of my concerns is how do you balance those two? STO, those things are so divorced from each other that they have no interaction with each other, right? So we're really only talking about what your risk would be in PvE because... Right. You can totally avoid PvP. You're never drawn into it if you don't want to be. You're right. It's They are. They're completely separate from each other. I know you've played other games, and I don't... Can you think of another... Other than EVE, right? Because in EVE, you play a PvE event, you can lose your loot, whatever you have. But that's PvE. That's PvP, though. Well, I mean, PvE... Either way, if your stuff's not insured in whatever form they allow in that game, um, and you get blown up by PvE or PvP, you lost it. Like, whatever you had okay. in your hold okay. is gone. Okay. So that doesn't really matter. Yeah, you see, that's that's not the type of gameplay I would want at all. That's not the type of gameplay I would want at all, especially not in Star Trek Online. Because like I said, we play that game already, and, and, and it's called Life. So I don't want to invest money into things that I'm playing just to, just to run a mission, a player versus environment mission, and then lose everything. But I think that there could be a, a, a balance. I think that something could happen, like, for instance... You know, maybe a damage to a deflector or deteriorating deflector dish or shields or something. And you have to go and you have to invest money or get a new one uh, periodically. And But the new one wouldn't cost nearly they as much as the first They already have the same game. Time. They just made it so that you'd have to set it to Elite for it to take effect. What do you mean? What do you mean? Then once you're playing on Elite and you take damage, you have to, you're, you're crippled until you go to the star base and get it repaired. Or use your little on-site repair thing if you're carrying the right... Um, you know, requisitions and stuff. They already have this. Yeah, game. but it's not in. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Work. I'm not thinking. I'm not thinking to myself. Oh man, I can't die because I'm going to get damaged. I, there's very little consequence to that. There's very little consequence to the damage that I'm facing because everybody. It, it, it's not like regenerators and, and components are are hard to get. Extraordinarily inexpensive or hard to get. No, I just. Well, that's going to. It's going to be the same it. with anything else. But don't you think less people would do PvE if that was the case? Not just PvP, but PvE too. No, no, Cookie hit the nail on the head because the problem with introducing the wrong kind of risk is you risk losing players. The, the cheeks and seats factor. Yeah, exactly. People with people will be risk averse 
and not want to do those things because of the fear of it. I mean, I played EverQuest where you could lose experience and even levels from dying too much too many times, and leveling up was a horrendous grind, countless hours. Like you might, the time it takes us to get to level 50 in STO, you might level up one level in EQ. And, and you could lose your level from dying too many times. The model has gone away from that over time. So I think clearly it's been shown to be very challenging to, to have a death penalty or a, um, a cost or something that prevents characters from going and being adventurers and heroes. Yeah, when I first started, I was so afraid to do PvE basically just because of all the negative stuff I was hearing from the you pros about, oh, this noob. No, PvE. Really? Because all, uh, all the stuff that I would hear on the forums and on the Facebook groups, like, oh, this noob ruined it for us, and I was like, I don't want to be Oh, you talking person. more like, like an STF? Yeah, queuing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, with that, in addition to that, if that was added, then it would be like, oh. But, all right, that's this. a good point you bring up, though, the, the, the optionals, right? I mean, even the optionals, it's not a risk to me. It's it, it will upset me if I don't get an optional, right, because the STFs have been out for, like, for instance, in ISE, one of the most common STFs, you pug a group that it can, it can be frustrating, right? It can be, that can be frustrating. I understand that. You know, like let's let's like expiration for instance, the expiration revamp that they keep talking about. I think that that that's the issue. That's the inherent issue, is that starship captains in the show experienced a risk, right? So how can we trans? How can that be translated into Star Trek Online? As a starship captain, what risks am I going to need to take when exploring an uncharted cluster? Right? Is it going to be damaged to my to my? Is it going to be a completely destroyed deflector dish? And now I'm going to have to run that reputation system again. Now again, these are just examples. I'm not saying it, it has to, it should be this way or whatnot. But will one of my bridge officers suffer an injury that will keep them from uh, using a power, right, or or a buff or something of that nature, a passive, whatever it may be? I don't want. I'm not. I'm not calling for inventories to be wiped clean, right? That's not at all. I, I, on the contrary, I would hate for that to happen. But something a little more. I don't know. I, I want to use the word painful because I think that's what it is. Like I said, like that PvP battle in Eve. Although I, I would hate to lose money. There's still that. There's still like this weird, darker part of me that goes, "Damn, I wish I would have been a part of that." And we, we just don't experience that in Star Trek Online. Yeah, I mean, high risk gives high reward, but right. What are we willing to lose? I mean, it all just—we don't really have answers. That, that, right, that's right. that—that's the question. Well, and I think that's why they came up with stuff like no-win scenario and these really hard-to-win things, to where it's like, okay, you don't really lose anything if you die, but you get this really high status if you can actually achieve it. So they, but they it's put still they, an accolade. It's a listing. Well, but they—that's how they—they're putting the risk back into it. You're willing to try and try and fight against this thing over and over and over because you just want to beat it. But at the same time, if you don't beat it, you're not losing anything or getting your butt kicked. But what risk is there other than you're not? Well, that's what—that's why I said it's a middle ground because they—it's not a risk, but it's a challenge. Oh, it's a challenge. Think, yeah, they put yeah, the I challenge back point. into it, but eliminating any risk. I think that's why they made those types of things. You know, because they couldn't find a good. Okay, how do we spank them without spanking them? So, I think that's that's basically what it comes down to. I don't know that there's a perfect solution to this problem. Um, I'm, I know what you're trying to get at, and, and, and I don't disagree that there should be something, but it's a difficult problem 
without scaring off players. So I mean, agree. I agree, and that's why I'm hoping that in our community, in this community question, we'll get uh, some awesome ideas that uh, maybe could get the, the 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 ball rolling, and maybe exploration could could become what what players are really yearning for that that feeling of. I'm taking the same risks that Captain Picard would or that Janeway would while exploring the galaxy. I have a great idea for what they could do, but I don't think they could do it because it's complicated. I mean, if you really wanted to make the game hot, you'd come up with X amount of random species, right, for exploration, say, whatever, however many random species they came up with, a couple hundred, right, and said, okay, if based on the first contact with this species during exploration and how it goes... That will either be a friend species from here on out or an enemy species from here on out for that captain. That's a pretty decent idea. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, you have a bad encounter. Oh, you've got a new enemy. You have a good encounter. Hey, you've got a new friend. But I don't know what kind of complicated software and and writing it would take to do that, especially when you're talking about a player-per-player basis. I mean, you couldn't do it to where the one captain does not and then he's an enemy to every fed in the game, you know? So, I mean, I don't know what software would take, but that's... I mean, that's the kind of thing you need to do is really set it up to, okay, what would happen in a real encounter? If you had a bad encounter, great. They're, they're going to look at you like an enemy now, you know? Like the Kazon. Voyager crossed the Kazon, and then the Kazon became their enemy throughout most of their journey to the Alpha Corps, back to the Alpha Corps. Exactly. You know, and, yeah, fa- okay. and favorable ones leading to, uh, you know, allies and, and friendships and, and partnerships and so forth. Call an ally. Well, I guess you have fleet support already. Yeah. You know, but hey, you know, one more thing, one more friend. Maybe, maybe an ally with certain races, depending on the traits of each race. You make allies with them. Hey, they're a trader race. Now you have uh, accessibility to markets that have rare pieces of equipment or gear or supplies um, by befriending them. Or, you know, if, if you know, if you're an enemy to them, you're out of that market. Or whatever each specialty each race holds, you now have access or denied access to those based on your encounters with them. And maybe let's say that during exploration, it becomes really important to have access to a market because in order to make a friend with this other species, they really want to be able to trade and get their hands on some of this equipment or this food or this whatever. And you'd be like, hey, I made friends with that race. I can go get some of that from them, come back to this one and make another friend. But if you blew it and you lost access to that other race, well, guess what? Now it's become a lot harder to make a friend out of this guy. All right, Captains, well, let us know what you think, of course, in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or in the official forum post for this episode on the Star Trek online forums. That wraps up STO News for this week. Let's move into our Community Spotlight segment with our Fleet Admiral interview with Admiral Enzo Aquarius of Reddit Alert. This episode's Community Spotlight is a Fleet Admiral interview with Fleet Admiral Enzo Aquarius of Reddit Alert. Enzo, thank you for joining us today. And thank you for letting me come today. We're very excited to have you on the show, so let's get started. Tell us a little bit about your fleet, how you got connected with it, and how it got started. Actually, the entire, all the Reddit fleets consist of about three fleets spanning between the Federation and Klingon factions. Uh, the first, our main fleet, Red Alert, is our primary Federation fleet. 
Uh, it's been around for many years now, since before before free to play. To be honest, I joined around uh, around the start of free to play, and we've been going strong ever since. We we have a great amount of people in that fleet. Generally, it's it's just great overall. We're very helpful. We enjoy each other's company. Our second fleet is our uh, Red Star Empire. It was originally called Mirror Reddit. Started about two years ago. We we had some issues with our with our capacity around the time season six came out season six season seven so we created the mirror fleet and it ended up being our Romulan fleet but now we allow Romulans and alternative accounts into this fleet and it's grown really strong we just expected it to be something that was just on the side but it's become a very uh, crucial part of our fleet and lastly is our third fleet which is House of Snoo which is our Klingon uh, fleet. And that's going along well. Not as fast as our Federation fleets, but still it's going along strong. So for me joining the fleet, I joined the fleet around, as I mentioned before, around the start of free to play. And over the months then I just started to just start enjoying the experience and eventually worked my way up the ranks to my current uh, rank of Admiral. Now, Ken, can you share with us a little bit about the, the fleet's prime directive, so to speak? Is it is it more RP? Is it laid back? Is it PvP. What what can new members expect when joining uh, either of the of the branches? It's definitely a lead back fleet. We we participate in everything. We do PVPs. We do PVEs. We don't really do role playing per se. Like it's not disallowed. Like we'll allow it, but it's not nothing that's really popping with the Reddit uh, people that are in our fleet right now. So we're very laid back when it comes to what we do. We have a major chat network. We don't use the fleet chat. We use a we call it Reddit chat. So we chat between everyone in the fleet, and we just do whatever we want. We talk about random things, talk about the news, talk about Star Trek, Star Trek Online, anything that comes up. And if someone wants to say do a uh, say mirror invasion, they just call up in the chat, and always there's always people coming in to do it. And uh, for anyone who's interested, that is uh, just like our priority one chat. You can join it by slash channel underscore join space Reddit chat. There's no uh, obligation to be part of any of the fleets to interact there in the Reddit chat. No, the Reddit chat has people from all types of fleets, not even just the Reddit Alliance fleets. We have uh, people in, from, I believe, First Aquarius Division and just many different fleets. I, I can't even name them all. There's just so many people that participate in the chat. To springboarding off of that, what can you tell us about the structure of the fleet? It, it seems like it would be a lot to manage with one maximum capacity fleet plus two other fleets that are rapidly growing. We have a combined leadership for Red Alert and uh, Red Star Empire. House of Snoo has some other members as well, but they their admiral most of their admiralty are separate from us, but we work together as one unified command structure. So we do have ranks, and we have also a rule. We also have rules, as stated on, on our subreddit, basically stating when you receive a certain rank, such as moving up to Ensign after 14 days and 20,000 contribution to our starbase. Same thing goes with Lieutenant, but with a little bit more, little bit more contribution and timing. Commander is more of a rank to say that you're committed to the fleet and you've done a lot of work. And then you got the officer ranks, such as Admiral, Fleet Admiral. Same thing occurs with uh, Red Star Empire and along the same lines as Snoo as well. So with that size of a group, how do you maintain fleet morale? I know that's something near and dear to your heart. It's about being close to the membership. I 
I go on basically every day, or I try to. I, I'm in school right now, so it can be a little bit difficult. So I like to I like to see what people what people in the fleet want. I, I like I go on the subreddit every day. I see what's being posted. I'll host say like a dabble. Uh, dabble parties have been very popular, so I'll do something like that. Or we'll maybe do a PVE event or or a meetup in a social area or just something fun. I just like to make sure that everyone's enjoying the game. Like we like to have competitions and so forth, but I just want to make sure everybody has fun. So that's what my main priority is, is to keep the morale up and to focus on what people want. The nice thing about MMOs is that you have people from all around the world, from all walks of life. Tell us a little bit about the type of members that you have in the fleet. You know, where are they? How far around the world are they? We have people from all over the world and one of our fleet admirals is from England. I would say the majority are from the Americas, but we get people from all over. I've seen people from Eastern Europe. I've seen, I think, someone, some, someone from Turkey. Austra oh, I've seen a couple from Australia, so, uh, South Korea, Japan even as well. Just our community is very diverse. So with that in mind, how would you describe your leadership style being part of a leading council over such a, a massive and diverse group of individuals? Oh, it's not just me. It's it's a combined effort with all the fleet admirals and the admirals as well. Although I like to be, a say, the PR for the fleet, I always look towards the other fleet admirals and admirals of the fleet to help with issues, to coordinate everything. It's a definitely a combined team effort. So regarding the fleet website, you mentioned the subreddit. Is the reddit.com slash r slash sto the primary site for the fleet or does the fleet have its own website uh, how do you use that to communicate with the members and how is that involved in the fleet's operations reddit is our main means of communication so we don't have a fleet website or anything we, we solely rely on reddit as a communication means for all of our members so if somebody has an issue that they want to bring to the admiralty not through in-game they can contact us through reddit because Reddit has an email, has not an email, has a mail function so that they can contact us directly and discreetly as well. So that's, is that also where you make posts as far as uh, fleet events or is it the, the fleet rules which you alluded to? All that information is available through the Reddit? That's correct. As I mentioned before, how like I'll host, say, a dabble party. Reddit allows for announcements, so I, I can make a quick post and make a, a top announcement on the subreddit so everybody can see it, and it helps bring uh, brings the folk bring the folk out. With the Reddit sidebar function, we can put all of our information on the sidebar, so we can tell people all about rules or any information, any vital information that they require. Great, sounds very organized. For anyone who might be listening and is interested, how do they become a member of the fleet? What would they need to do? Well, first they can look on the subreddit www.reddit.com forward slash r forward slash sto and there you can read the rules there and check out the community see if they're interested first inside the game they can chat on the reddit chat uh, in-game chat channel and they can request an invite there and we can get the process going let me ask you a a, a question that, that we don't have on our list but if you could give one piece of advice to other fleet admirals out there what would it be the one word I would say is to listen. Be in touch with your fleet and know what they want. You can go gung-ho and do what you want, but the fleet is based on your membership. You need to know what they want. By listening to exactly what they want, you know what the fleet wants and you can make them happy. Happy fleet 
Thanks for a happy experience overall and a better game. Can't argue with that. Enzo, is there any shout-outs you'd like to give while you have the airtime? I'll shout out to all all the fleas. I shout out all the admirals and fleet admirals that helped me to run everything. Uh, and shout to my gal Lyrica. Well, I have to say, you guys do a great job. I've been involved in various capacities with the Reddit STO community since I came back to the game shortly after Free to Play. And it's definitely added a lot to my experience of the game. So I appreciate everything you guys have done to, to make that exist in the form that it does. And I hope it keeps going for a long time. Appreciate you coming here today and, and taking the time out to talk to us and share with the community and look forward to seeing you and the fleet and game. Oh, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate the opportunity for this. All right, captains, let's open healing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Healing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, captains, we are at the point of the show where we read back feedback from episode 165 of Priority One Podcast. Just a reminder that last week's community questions were, what did you think of the new Mirror Universe invasion event? And if you could change anything, what would it be? Celestia7 commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, the new Mirror event was awesome. Although it felt sort of annoying when I got myself poked by those frigate when I was closing the rift most of the time. And perhaps there's something special for tactical ships and captains to do during the mission other than blowing ships up. I mean, I kind of like blowing ships up, but it does it is a little long, a little bit, you know, just to fly around and make sure everything is dead. Okay, I decided today I don't like it. I don't like it. Why? It's too disorganized. It's I just I just don't like it. I don't have control over anything. You need a better and, team. Um, I know if it's a good team, it's great. But if you don't organize it beforehand, it's just chaotic. What are you flying? It's just it depends on my character. Like um, the new the kitty cat character that I have, it has a cruiser and it's just not really decked out with anything, so it doesn't do much damage at all. And as soon as I get up to a rift, I try to close it. The ships come out, shoot at me, so I can't close it. So I try to shoot the ships, whatever. I'm by myself usually. There's nobody else like with me detracting. And then as soon as I shoot the ships, I try to close the rift, and then more ships come out. It's so frustrating. Sometimes I sit around and, so and shoot the so ship. <laughs> I think that's what we've been doing tonight. So, I mean, if I can team up with somebody and go together and like, okay, you do the rift and I'll do the you know taking fire and so we can close rips that way but it never works out that way for me i'm always usually just ugh. i don't want to say never sometimes i'm with good teams but like that one team that you the reddit alert fleet or whatever that was a good team when i was with you mm -hmm. jace that's what i was going to say uh, now that a lot of my fleet mates in reddit alert which i'm in with a couple of my characters uh, have seemed to have figured out what they're doing we, I find that a lot of times when I do mirror, even on Elite, we're sitting around at the end for like three or four minutes waiting for it to get to the Dreadnought part. Yeah, we have the same problem when my teams go out. Yeah, but it's never like that for me. I don't usually get... I don't want to say never. Some, I am put with good people sometimes, but sometimes when I'm by myself, I'm with strangers. I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, any anytime you run a pug, I mean, it's you could have the pug of legend and just crush them, or you could have... The dreaded pug, which everybody <laughs> hates, and you're like, oh my god, nobody's doing anything, and we're getting crushed. I mean, that's just the risk of pugging. So, Our next uh, piece of feedback comes from PriorityOnePodcast.com from Mr. The Grand Negus. 
He says, I really enjoyed the new Mirror Universe event, and I hope to replace the current Borg Red Alerts with something similar. That's a good idea, actually. Uh, it would also be nice to see a ground component in the future. That said, I really wish the special drop was uh, account-bound, not character-bound. Hmm, not bad idea, that either. Two good ideas from the Grand Nagus. Akuha Shuzen commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, Mirror Universe event is fun, but the ships can pile up fast if you don't close those rifts. And besides, who does not want a Hakeem with a beard? Never underestimate the power of the beard. It sounds like Terry Lynn. That was that's absolutely Terry Lynn. Especially if it's red hair. <laughs> oh my. Mm-hmm. Oh my. I can testify to the power of the beard. <laughs> so 1.5 Rikers worth. <laughs> All right, we've got Jack Morenzo commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, and he writes, I think the Mirror Universe event is a glorious field for battle. My favorite part? Flying into the fray and defending the station with my obelisk, Prosperity, and her spawn of swarmers. Not something you see often. Unnormal, of course. The sight of seeing so many Terran ships fall at the hands of a carrier and drones makes me smile. (laughs) P.S. Thanks for the heads up on the wide-angle torpedo launcher. For me, that will see good use. Great work as always. Jack Morenzo. Sean Newboy writes via PriorityOnePodcast.com. Excellent episode, everyone. I always love Sean Newboy. He's great. He has such good opinions. Loved hearing from Dr. Hurt again. I love the new Earth space dock. Now I just have to figure where everything is again, just like I did when they redid Quirinos. Not only can you see the exterior of the stations, but it also gives a place to start missions from, for instance, foundry missions. I love the new mirror event, very nice. I personally just run it on normal. I don't feel the extra time and battery expense justifies the rewards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hear that. I play everything on Elite. Yeah, but you know that it's that's I, I'm I'm getting that sense across the board, and unless you're with a, a solid team that knows what they're doing, it, it, there's no point in running elite, right? It's and and listen, it, all it takes is one person, one one pug that doesn't know what they're doing. Because the other day, I think it's, Cookie, I think it was you, me, and Epsilon, and even on normal, we struggled a little bit because it was three of us but two pugs. I know, and it's usually like that for me. Well, this kind of goes into our next piece of feedback, which comes from Mark T, posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. He says, hey, everyone, I wanted to remind you all of the reason behind the reasoning for having to come out of warp in the Soul System or DS9 before docking at ESD or DS9. First of all, there is the canon reason outside the JJ-verse you cannot beam at warp safely. Secondly, you must slow down to approach ESD to prevent the planetary defenses from mobilizing. Approaching at high warp is ill-advised. Secondly, there is a reason for space arenas around Earth now. That is where we as players get to fiddle with our ship layouts, make unique looking ships, the social zones, and the ESD and Quono space areas are really the only places to show off those ships in good lighting without going to a planetary system without missions. I, for one, do use the captain's table as it has a nice semi-private feel and is a good place for me to go deal with things like uh, marketeering and organization. I would like the ability to invite teammates to the captain's table with me. 
As for the mirror event, I love the rewards and kind of hate the mission just because I usually do it with pugs and the fact that it doesn't fail if the station goes down encourages AFK. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that's a problem uh, I've heard on the subreddit as well that you're seeing AFKers like flying out to the edge of a match and just chilling there because even if they get drastically reduced marks, they're still getting something for nothing. Mm -hmm. I have like a really long ignore list just for, just for that. <laughs> I don't know if that even does anything, but... Yeah, you just can't see them on the map. Like they disappear, or they vanish. But in terms of Earth Space Dog, I I don't think I don't I don't remember suggesting that they should eliminate the orbit, right? The the, the space system, yeah, but you that they should. Uh, well, I, yeah, maybe. But I'm okay with them keeping it, but giving me the option that as I approach the Sol system in sector space, that I can beam directly to Earth Space Dog because the the reasons that Mark outlined don't apply to me just me right it's just me so i'm sure that there are other players like me because according to arc star trek online has been downloaded over two million times so i'm sure that there's somebody else like me odds are that doesn't want to have to go into to space system just to get to esd because for instance loading my ship i can do in sector space i don't I, it's not dependent on space system versus sector space well, and I think the point that got overlooked here, and that's fine, is that you were saying add functionality to system space. Give us a reason to go right. there, not right. just that's as a yeah. road yeah. Uh, speed bump. Right, right. That's Thank you. Because I, I even forgot about that, that, that we had made that point last week was... Yeah, give us that feature, you know? Give me, give me, give me... It. Ooh, here we go. Talking about risk earlier. If my deflectors are damaged... I have to go into the Earth Space Dock Shipyard, Earth Space Dock Shipyard, or Utopia Planitia, or whatever it may be, so that I can repair my deflector. Right? If my damaged deflector, in a lot of other MMOs, most items deteriorate over time. Star Trek Online doesn't experience that, and I don't know that I'm a huge fan of that. But I get why. Right? You want to be, you you want to feel attached to the things that you've earned not just set it and forget it it's i don't know what <laughs> infomercial i just quoted but it that's what it is you, you you get it and that's it you forget it until the next new item comes out and you got to do an, a reputation system to to earn that one give us give us something in in the earth space stock orbit that 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 makes players want to do that speed bump. Otherwise, give me the option when I approach it. That's it. I want to go to the captain's table. How do I get to go to that? You have to be a lifetime I subscriber. It. I can't get there any other way? No. Mm. Well, it was a cool idea they had there to be able to summon teammates. Like, if you could have just whoever's in your team come there with you, then you could use it for RP events or little fleet gatherings. You know, have uh, anybody who's in the group who is a lifetimer or has access, fill up a group full of other people and bring them in. I think that'd be neat. According to Fargonaut, in, uh, it's it's lifetime members and veterans, so anybody over 400 days. How many? How do you know how many days? Uh, you can see it on your profile on the website. Okay. On the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode, Twice T-Burst writes... This podcast about the mirror event made me realize the class-specific bonuses should apply to captain type and ship type. For example, if you are a science captain in a cruiser, you should be able to close the mirror universe rifts faster and 
you should be able to transfer power more quickly to those orbiting stations. This way, Cryptic would support the idea that your choice of captain class and your choice of ship class matters in the game. We talked a little bit about this last week when I, I think I even mentioned this that it was it was interesting to me how they used the ship class to be the determining factor in how fast you could transfer power or close the rifts and not the captain. Uh, and Jace, I believe you made the point that uh, it, it just leaves them more open to to more players and more captains. Uh, in explore in experimenting with new, with different ships, I like this idea of giving you the option of both, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or an added bonus if you're a ship if you're a science captain in a science ship. Joshua Morgan writes via Facebook. I must say the new mirror event is awesome. I love how they are implementing class career advantages from one task to another. Elijah, you kept saying power leveling. Unfortunately, there's no one leveling on the mission, as it's only level 50 characters. Cookie, I don't know if it's staying, but the creepy basement is in the new ESD still. It was my understanding that the that, that area was for an ESD expansion that was later dropped. So I wonder why it wasn't botched when they remodeled the upper level. Yeah, for those of you who don't know what it's talking about, it's talking about the Nerve Tonic story that I told last week. That did not make it into the show. <laughs> it took place at the in the creepy basement of the of ESD. You see, captains, only our live listeners will have ever heard that story. I know it's lost. So you have to tune in to us on live Thursday evenings. Cookie n- on just tell Trek them no means no and don't accept roofies, okay? <laughs> when you're down in the creepy basement, it, no roofies. I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm she wasn't even on Drozana. St. Patty's Day, and they were offering you green ale, Romulan ale, green Romulan ale. I get it, you know. Uh, actually, uh, just a comment on that with uh, the correction about level 50 only for the mirror event. We also got feedback on Twitter from Al Rivera pointing out that I was mistaken in my field notes segment when I uh, called out that the wide beam phaser lance on the Galaxy X while using saucer separation only has a range out to five kilometers. Even the so-called sawed off shotgun mode still has a full range of 10 kilometers. It just has a slightly reduced damage, not ranged. That was my error when I transcribed it into my notes. And I just wanted to shout that out since uh, Al pointed it out right away. But like any energy weapon, it diminishes in relation to distance. So. If you're not firing it, from what, what I am understanding, if you're not firing it from 5K or less... I haven't tested the drop-off. I uh, I think it's drop-off. is like beams. It's not as bad as cannons, but, I mean, your mileage may vary. I, I think uh, you, you want to try to get as many enemies in it as once at once as you can because it only fires once instead of twice like the normal small beam. Anthony Shea McEwen commented on Facebook and said, An awesome podcast. Really enjoyed listening to it. Keep up the awesome work. My thoughts for the mirror event is it's fun. I'm enjoying it. I haven't done it on normal. I went straight to elite and only elite. <sighs> nice. So did I. Uh, I find it challenging. It does get a bit messy when people don't close the rifts. It's also nice for ship class to do certain things. Sh- uh, size ships for rifts, cruiser ships for power relays. I wish to see more of this and also captain related objectives. 
Uh, and for marks on Elite, I believe 75 is max, plus with bonus uh, marks, comes out around 90-ish marks. Yeah, it's a nice haul, especially if you got a good group that runs it well. You can come out of there with a lot of marks. Just listen to at STO Priority One Live on at Trek Radio for the first time as I was unable to sleep. I might be listening live more often. <laughs> well, at Rowdy Tartan Lad, we hope you're listening live right now. Of course, that was kind of an odd night because it was kind of, I mean, I told the nerve tonic story. So how, how are you going to top that? I don't know. Nah, I'm sure this episode was quite entertaining to our live audience. Captains, every week we get new followers and new Facebook messages and new emails. And every week it's more and more of you. And we cannot express how appreciative we are that you want to continue your dialogue with us after listening to the show. Unfortunately, due to time constraints, uh, where we have to limit what feedback we spotlight on the show. But know that we read each and every one of them. uh, And we try to include as many of you as we can, time permitting. So please keep them coming. Reach out to us on Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One or shoot an email to incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 166 of Priority One Podcast, recorded live on TrekRadio.net. Remember, we record Thursday nights live on Trek Radio starting at around 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you can subscribe to us by pointing your podcast catcher at feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our site or on the STO forum post for this episode. Or now, call us and leave a message. Just visit priorityonepodcast.com and find out how. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority One. You can even join the Priority One Podcast chat in game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. You can continue to support Priority One with real-world donations by helping us reach our monthly financial goals. We are all volunteers, and we could use your help with purchasing new equipment, hosting fees, or to alleviate travel expenses as we cover conventions on location throughout 2014. A very special thanks to everyone who has already contributed and continues to do so on a reoccurring basis. Without your ongoing support, we would not be able to bring you the content you've grown to enjoy from Priority One Podcast. So keep on contributing. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. It's a pretty good show. You should check it out. The Priority One fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your at handle and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We want to thank the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including this week's audio engineers, Midnight Shadow 7 and Eli Jamray. That guy's all right. A big thanks to Adrian Orpheus, our in-development contributor who was also on a latest episode of True Life on MTV. Thank you for joining us in this week's Trek It Out. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. 
thanks to our syndication partners, Epic Gamer Radio, Subspace Radio, and Trek Radio. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek online community, our listeners. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Engage. Captains, this week we trek out true life. I want to be an obscure pageant queen. Wait, you do? See, that sounds weird when <laughs> I say <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say oh, yes, you do. I'm going to yes, I'm going to go ahead and say I believe that. <laughs> I don't even think you want to be obscure about it. <laughs> I think you just want to oh, be a pageant yeah. queen. Season 9 dev blog number 2 is a role-playing present Presentation, presentation, presentation. Which one is British? Presentation or presentation? I don't know. I haven't watched Sherlock enough. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do the British one. Presentation. Okay. Presentation. Presentation. Something, something, something complete. This raises concern about the Janolan Dyson sphere. Dyson, oh. the Dyson sphere. Dyson spears. Dyson spears. <laughs> I need to put on more chapstick. Hold on. <laughs> it helps me. Okay. <clears throat> Without going into too much detail for those who prefer not to experience new content on Tribble before it goes live, I That's will me. say yes. For your immersion. My immersion. There are Maybe already. Pageant training. All right. My, pageant, now. my pageantry and my immersion. That's my grown-up voice for the peanuts. Oh, sorry. On the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode, Twice-T-Burst writes, This podcast about the mirror event made me realize the class-specific bonuses should apply to <laughs> captains. I would you stop laughing? Oh, my God. I, I got through it and everything. All right. The way you said it so nicely. Price he wears. This is true though. I'm not going to re-say that. I'm going to start Yes, yes. I'm not going to re-say that. Okay. That's fine. Tearing. What if the guy who wrote this is not here right now and can't hear it, and then he hears it, and he really thinks that I thought it was twice he versed? I think he'll get it. He knows he took that name. That's a troll name. <laughs> He's totally going to be like, that stupid ditz Twice. on the show got it wrong. What a bimbo. I know, I'm totally going to get haters. No, 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 well, no, you're, no, you're due. No, no, no. <laughs> you're due, huh? I already have one. <laughs>
We each have one. No, I'm starting. I'm starting priority one, the fan club, and then nobody's the, gonna the join. Star well, that's why it's no. cookie. <gasps> that's why cookie. That's why it's called a fan club and not a fans club oh. because there's only one of them. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Are you not a host of this show too? Oh. All right. I'm sorry. Moving on. It's fun. I'm enjoying it. I haven't done it on normal. I went straight to the elite and only elite. I like your style. I did the same. I find it challenging. It does get messy when people don't close the rifts. It also is nice uh, for ship class. And to what the heck just happened? I don't know. He just erased it while I was just reading. Deleted it. the whole entire. Oh, thing. was it? Oh, was it yours? <laughs> My bad. Brilliant. Sorry. <laughs> did you not like those feedback? No, 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 no. It's just yeah, we're, we, we've we're got at a lot. Uh, twenty-five minutes already. Yeah, try not to erase the one I'm actually reading. That was awesome. My bad. As if he didn't have enough trouble with the show notes already. I'll go ahead and start that one over. Okay, just listen to Priority One Live on Trek Radio. Don't, you can't start oh, off going, oh. hey, just listen to Priority One on Trek Radio. I didn't sound like that. You did a little bit. Oh on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash Facebook 